0: And with that, we welcome you back to another, what will be a fantastic episode of the One Giant Podcast. As always, I'm Adam Marmbrecht. and over there is Andy Makowitz. How are you, sir? I'm good. I was able to get outside.
1: New Jersey parks were open. It's a beautiful weekend, so practicing safe social distancing, it couldn't have been a better weekend.
0: Yeah, and it's supposed to be a nice week ahead as well, so sunshine at least, even if you're around your your house or your apartment, maybe get to a park, but Get outside and stretch, friends. It's apparently been springtime for for quite a while here. We just didn't get a chance to realize it. We come into you here on on the 4th of April, and we've got, of course, uh, we could dive in on some news and notes around the Giants. We're going to take a look in a little bit at the uh, upcoming schedule for them in the 2020 season and see where we think there's some interesting matchups, interesting storylines. But first, on the free agent market, there was, of course, going to be some QB movement this offseason. And we saw a lot of that happen, and certainly in conjunction with Joe Burrow going one overall in the draft to the Cincinnati Bengals. Andy Dalton is released and then finds himself a, a new landing spot in a familiar place for New York Giant fans.
1: Yeah, so Andy Dalton kind of went back home uh, and it signed a deal with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a one-year deal. Uh, I believe it's for uh, $3 million guaranteed. I think you can make up to about seven and ch- $7 million and change um it's interesting I mean this is one of those things where you know that people kind of get a little bit hysterical and they say oh my goodness they're bringing Andy Dalton in to to challenge Dak Prescott or scare Dak Prescott but at the same time like what's the going rate for a backup quarterback these days I would think you know five million dollars probably makes sense in case your most important player on the field goes down right so like seven million seems reasonable for a guy that has as many starts as Andy Dalton does that you know, if Dak Prescott gets hurt or something happens, can come in and win games for you.
0: Only curiosity there. I, mean, I think I think you're right. The only, my only curiosity is that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers apparently made him an offer that was better than what Dallas gave him. Ultimately, um, you, this whole idea about the franchise tag ten tenure being out there and, and Prescott hasn't signed that with the Dallas Cowboys yet. They offered him over thirty million. He's going to play for thirty four. Just all that stuff. I, I, at the very least, it's not something you want around your team. I think. And, and you're at least giving your fan base enough of a lump in their throat. But at the end of the day, Dak Prescott will be starting for the Cowboys this year, and Andy Dalton will be in the wings should an injury or something occur, right? Well, well and, and I
1: think the one small caveat that you can make is that if Dak, for whatever reason, was planning on holding out and, and wasn't going to play on this franchise tag unless he had a deal done, like, there's that offense is loaded and you have a competent quarterback in Andy Dalton like they kind of are saying to Dak like if you really want to play this out and we start with Andy Dalton and he starts throwing the ball all over the yard it's like Dak you may get left behind so like even though I don't think that's gonna happen it's just like that one little doubt or seed that you could put in the back of the mind to maybe save a million or two or get people back to the table negotiating right
0: yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, in other areas, as we know, setting uh, setting records for all the wrong reasons. Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year in Tampa Bay. Tam, uh, uh, TB12 introduces himself to the Floridians down there. So Winston effectively is out. He ends up signing with the New Orleans Saints, uh, uh, I guess effectively replacing Teddy Bridgewater, who found the new home with the Panthers. Do you think – this feels like the, the smart move for Jameis Winston in terms of getting himself back on track, maybe learning from Drew Brees, being in a good offensive system with Sean Payton there. I, I didn't expect this, but I was pleasantly surprised for James. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to, to take a step back and just refocus himself a little bit.
1: Well, I, you know, the the funny comment that I've seen people say, and I, I actually think it's hilarious, is that it, it, it's – too perfect to not create a 30-for-30 30 30 documentary on the 30-and-30 30 30 for Jameis Winston. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: it it, it wrote, like, the introduction writes itself for that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, this is an interesting one for me on Jameis because he is still so young. And he can throw the ball downfield. He just doesn't know which player it's going to go to, right? Um, you know, he signed a $1.1 million deal, could have made $3.5 million. And look, it's it's an interesting landing spot. Like Drew Brees has been banged up and injured. You know, t- everyone says, "Well, oh, they signed Taysom Hill. This big deal." It's like last year when Drew Brees got hurt. Who started? It was Teddy Bridgewater, right? And right. Teddy Bridgewater went five and zero. Oh. I I, I like the, the situation that Jameis is going to be in, but I I don't know. There's all this ridiculousness going on where everyone's talking about how. Oh, he gets to be with Sean Payton, the quarterback guru, and it's going to reclamate everything about Jameis Winston. He had LASIK surgery. Like, he's going to do what Teddy Bridgewater did. Like, I'm on record, and this may be a bad take to have. Like, Jameis Winston is not all of a sudden next year going to re enter the market after this QB guru situation and get a three year, $100 million deal. Like, it's just not, that's just not happening.
0: No, I I'd be curious to see if he gets an opportunity. If if Drew Brees maybe gets injured or has to come out at any point, if he gets some similar chances like Teddy Bridgewater did, I think he can find himself a reasonable landing spot. Maybe not as lucrative even as what Teddy Bridgewater got from Carolina, but I think there'll be some fluctuation around the league, and he'll have I think he'll have an opportunity to get back out there and and start again for an NFL team before it's all said and done. And it's going to be that opportunity where you get the shot, and if you blow it again, that probably spells the end of your career, un- unfortunately not unlike, you know, the, maybe the last guy to touch on in this free agent market, you know, Cam Newton, new coach in Carolina, Matt Rule, as, as everyone's familiar with from a Giants perspective, they, they released Cam Newton. He's coming off multiple injuries last year. We all know what he's been physically as a quarterback. All of a sudden, you know, he's out there on the market. Teams can't get their hands on him to see how he is physically, but his prospects of being a starting NFL quarterback this year are a very slim and arguably closing window, regardless of how healthy he may be.
1: I think at this point he's doing the only thing that he has left to do that gives him any leverage whatsoever, and that's just get healthy, don't have to go to any training camp. And there are a ton of teams that have really good starting quarterbacks and really bad backups, and all it takes is one sack, a broken collarbone, a broken wrist, and all of a sudden that starting quarterback is out, your team is in win-now mode, and you need a guy, and that guy could be Cam Newton. Like, if – I don't know, and I'm just shooting from the hip here. If Russell Wilson went down with, like, a 8- to 10-week injury, like, mm-hmm. could he come in and start relatively quickly? Like, right. he could start, probably take over the offense, look a little bit different, but, but, like, their backup quarterback may not be ready to win them extended amount of games. Maybe he could come in for a quarter, but – you know Cam Newton can come in and win you games and potentially save your season. So I think he's going to probably sit out and just wait this thing out. And all of a sudden we're going to have like one big injury that you never even thought about. Like, what if Pat Mahomes goes down again with an injury? Like, would they sign Cam Newton? Those are those are the types of opportunities I think Cam's going to go for because there isn't there isn't much starting quarterback chairs left in in the you know the carousel right now, especially for a guy that's wildly inaccurate like Cam Newton.
0: Well, that's what the problem is, really. When you go inside his numbers, you know, he—he obviously his legs are are a component of his game. But if he, as people speculate, you know, if he comes back and says, I'm going to focus on being in the pocket, this is a career 60% completion percentage for a guy that has enough years under his belt that that is who he is. I don't think you're going to see a drastic change. So even in these scenarios where a team suffers an injury, I'll be it'll be very curious. You're going to get a sense of of how it's two parts, how the league feels about Cam and then how Cam feels about himself in terms of, you know, I'm looking to come in on a team as the starter for a substantial salary, as opposed to the reality of if you want to be playing football, it may be coming in on a relatively low end deal to make sure that you get a look by a team and then you see where it goes from there.
1: Now, Adam, the the other couple of noteworthy things, just quarterback-related uh, related around the league is, um, you know, the, 20, the 2017 draft class, this is the, kind of that window where you're getting either the options picked up or declined. So there was a lot of that movement going on. Today is the actual deadline to pick up fifth-year options on any first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, what I thought was interesting and uh, was just tweeted out recently um, by Field DH was basically – you know, there's 32 players uh, that get drafted in the first round. 17 of the options have been picked up. 13 have been declined. Uh, one's been extended. That was Christian McCaffrey. And the one that's released not even on a team right now is Taco Charlton. So mm. w- what's fascinating, and this kind of talks about why it's so, so important to trade back up into the into the first round, is you can get these guys on that additional year under team cost control of a rookie deal. Um, but does that number seem right to 17? So... Uh, almost uh, roughly half of the
0: players are getting that picked up. Well, that's what's interesting, right? And, I, I, you know, the Giants have two of them in Evan Ingram and Jabril Peppers who picked up their fifth-year options. You know, it, it, I think what what is interesting about it is you think about the value of, of drafting in the first round, and we all know high in the in the first round especially, but it's supposed to be that these guys are are locked-in kind of players. So teams that are choosing not to pick up the fifth-year option means – that they have enough of a question mark around these guys or there isn't potential trade value or whatever the case may be, that it's not even worth grabbing that fifth-year option at what ends up being a very reasonable price usually based on the talent that you're getting back in return. So, you know, if you're talking about a near 50-50 split on your return on first-round investment, that's, that's a, a little surprising, I'd say.
1: Well, what, what, I, what fascinates me even more is we're talking about the fifth-year option. And and the the craziest thing, and this is what really struck me, and that's why I thought it was important to bring up, is, okay, 14 of these guys have not had their options picked up, which basically means the team that drafted them doesn't really see a long-term future with them, right, mm. barring some crazy thing that happens. They have only completed three years of football.
0: Right. Like, right, right you're the making the choice before fourth the fourth
1: year. <laughs> right, we're talking about the fifth-year option. So in three years, you've had three full seasons, these teams are saying, no, we don't want these these guys on a cheap, cost-controlled, team-friendly deal. Like, it's only been three seasons. These guys are only, what, 23, 24 years old, and they're getting all these things to climb. So almost half of the players in three years that get drafted in the first round, they're not going to be out of the league, but the team that originally drafted doesn't even want them. That blew my mind.
0: Well, because really what you're saying is like you actually – it wasn't even about, well, you didn't quite live with the expectations. We don't, we're not going to go that extra fifth year with you. It's saying you've actually – you you've done so poorly in three years that we don't even want to bother like we know right now there's nothing you could do in year number four that would make us get excited and i'll forget but there's been a couple of there's been a couple of examples where i think that's bitten teams in the butt right where that fourth year ends up being a little bit of a breakout year for some guys and then it's like sorry you don't have the fifth year option see, see you see in the free agency market and you start to get into franchise tax scenarios the,
1: the the prime example is jack conklin right your your love that of was it. the offseason, correct? You know, the, the team declined his option, and then he went out and had a a, a a strong season, above average, you know, very strong season, and got paid on the open market. And they decided not to franchise tag him. Like there was a lot of stuff going on there, which I found fascinating. But I, you know, it, it came out today. Malik Hooker of the Colts, uh, he didn't get his option picked up. I do think it, it's noteworthy for us. You, you did mention Jabril Peppers and Evan Ingram got their fifth options picked up. I mean, not not a huge surprise for most Giants fans. I think you know it was anywhere between four and six and a half million dollars for between the two of them. So you have both of them under contract for something like seven or eight years for the next two years. It's like really team friendly team friendly deals. Yeah. This I mean, did anything surprise you? Anything noteworthy about the Giants picking
0: up both of those? No. At the end of the day, when, I, when you look at it, you say. It doesn't dictate anything to me, right? It doesn't mean that Evan Ingram and Joe Peppers are necessarily a part of the long-term future for the team. It means, if anything, especially in Evan Ingram's case, that you can send out the notice that, hey, if you're interested in trading for him and he happens to be healthy in this upcoming season, we're already telling you you have him locked in for a fifth year at at a very reasonable price tag for that position and for what his value could be. The Jabril Peppers piece is interesting. I think it's worth us keeping him under contract. The drafting of Xavier McKinney makes it interesting on the one hand you think about pairing these guys together and how exciting that dynamic can be but in my mind i look at it more as while it's you know going to be years down the road four years down the road from now you're gonna end up paying xavier mckinney you know he projects to be that that jamal adams kind of safety talent that it's worth having the big price tag at that position because of the versatility that he offers you so then it makes me look at real peppers and say well You know, are we going to offer him his next big contract or are we maybe going to look at the draft over the next couple of seasons and think about how we potentially find the next replacement for for that player and treat what we got back in the Odell Beckham trade values? This was was a bridge scenario for us to get down the road far enough where we could rebuild this roster and get ourselves in a good position. So, you know, neither one of those moves really signaled that the Giants love these guys and think they're going to be a part of the future. And I, I will acknowledge it does leave it open for this upcoming season to be the kind of thing where if Ingram's healthy and shows you a lot of big moves, you go great. We get tremendous fifth year value out of them. And and likewise for Jabril Peppers, we get to, keep, we know we have these guys for two years and it means they both showed us enough to warrant, just like we just said, right. Didn't show enough in three years to warrant it. Both these players show you enough that, that you want to take that risk of paying them a little bit extra for a fifth year option, knowing that they could bring value to the team. Yeah. And and
1: keeping these young uh, you know, potential upside assets on, on such young contracts is what we need, especially knowing that you know, if Daniel Jones continues to progress the way that we think he does, if Saquon Barkley gets back to being the best running back in football, you're talking about two pillars that salary cap wise in 18 months, 24 months, we're going to start looking at it and saying, We got a slot 35 million, 40 million for Daniel Jones, we got a slot 15, 20 million for Saquon Barkley you know, we're going to have a lot of money invested in those two guys. If, you know, I think if we don't, then something kind of has gone awry because we've really (laughs) built this thing around the fact that we look at those two as our cornerstone. So any controllable assets that you can get, even if you flip Evan Ingram for a a draft pick or, you know, Jabril Peppers for a draft pick, you're kind of restocking instead of having to resign them to those long-term deals and you're getting more cheap controllable assets when we do have to pay some of our bigger players.
0: Yeah. And listen, this is that maybe that Patriot-esque kind of mentality. We're always curious about what Joe Judge's influence on the team and the roster and and how that's going to play out. I think that we saw Gettleman's fingerprints all over the draft class this year. But I I think that Joe Judge is a fundamental kind of guy. And a part of that is you want to have valuable, young, controllable assets and you don't want to overvalue or fall in love with anyone outside of some key positions like a Daniel Jones or like Saquon Barkley, as they are the cornerstones of our franchise beyond them, everybody else should be kind of a movable fluid asset that you feel like you can turn over and create more value for yourself over the next couple of seasons. Uh, listen, we'd love to stick around and talk more. Uh, but instead we're going to leave you with a tease friends. We covered a little bit of broad stuff and then obviously touched on your New York football giants. We're going to come back in middle of the week here And take a look at this upcoming schedule. We know that official dates are going to come out here at some point this week uh, for the season. They also notified everybody that it looks like, at least for the short term, these international games, London games, are all being taken off the docket. makes a ton of sense. But well, let's take a look here. Coming up uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday, we'll come back in and we'll talk about some interesting matchups, some ones that Andy is is earmarking as must-watch TV for Giants football and, and really some some matchups from a team standpoint and then individuals, right? A lot of tasty a lot of tasty nuggets out there for the Giants in this upcoming season, both past players and maybe players that could have been ours in this past draft class.
1: Oh, I wonder if you're teasing out guys like Odell Beckham and Chase Young, perhaps. I mean, there's just, there's so many interesting things and intriguing things. I won't spoil too much. What I will say is I've been reading online. Some of the schedule stuff has been slightly leaked. I don't know if it's official or unofficial. One thing that I read is, you know, right now we know who the Giants are going to be playing at home as well as away. We just don't know the actual dates and which weeks they're going to be playing them. Mm -hmm. But the hot rumor is that, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers game against the New York Giants is going to be a home game for the Giants, and it's going to be a Thursday night primetime game.
0: And my only hope there is that TV12 is a little bit worse for aware coming off a short week of rest. And, you know, we catch them good. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about it, and we'll dive into when you'd prefer to ha- meet some of these matchups during the season. Week six, just too far out where I feel like Tom Brady can be getting his rhythm by that point. Would have liked that the first couple of weeks, but we'll see how it shakes out once, when, when the uh, schedule officially comes out. We'll come back in and of course break it down and, and talk numbers, man. Where do we think this, this Giants team can go very early in the offseason? As always, follow us on social media, check us out on iTunes, download, rate, and review, subscribe to that podcast, friends. And as Andy Makowicz would like to say,
1: let's go Big Blue. Yes, sir.